0: From the studios of the Optimism Institute, welcome to the Blue Sky Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Burke. And in every Blue Sky episode, we'll be speaking to leaders, researchers, and thinkers whose stories and insights will remind us that there is always blue sky above. Sometimes you just have to get your head above the clouds to see it. My guest today is Dr. Ken Harris. A pioneer in holistic healing, he's a chiropractor, a published author, workshop presenter, and keynote speaker. Dr. Harris is the founder of the Waldwick Wellness Center in New Jersey, a multi-doctor facility providing all-natural health and wellness care since 1975, and he was instrumental in the founding of two major chiropractic colleges. Clearly, Ken has great credentials, but I have a confession to make. When I first was introduced to him, I wasn't sure he'd be a good fit with the Blue Sky podcast. I worried that his take on things might come off as a little too woo-woo, to use a technical term, maybe a little too out there for our listeners to take him seriously. But then, after a rollicking and interesting Zoom call conversation with him, I decided to go with it. He's a really smart guy with an incredible amount to offer. I mentioned that Ken is an author, and the book of his that I read, and the subject we'll spend most of our time talking about today, is synchronicity. It's an interesting concept, and as you'll soon hear, Ken is a passionate advocate and believer in it. I hope you enjoy this Blue Sky conversation with Dr. Ken Harris as much as I did. Dr. Ken Harris, welcome to the Blue Sky Podcast. Welcome,
1: welcome. I'm happy to be here. It wasn't so easy to get here a couple of <laughs> yes, days ago.
0: We've overcome massive technological hurdles, but here we are. You look and sound great, uh, and I'd love to get right to it. Before we get to your writing, I'd like to tell our audience a little bit more about your background. You are not always an author. Uh, you're a doctor by training. Could you just give us a little bit about your background before we talk about synchronicity and your other works?
1: I'd be happy to. I am uh... I had a mind-body wellness education center for 50 years. It was a holistic practice. I was trained as a chiropractor originally, and uh, I I branched into energy medicine, into nutrition, and we have what we call a cradle-to-the-grave, womb to tomb practice. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, involved from the get-go of body, mind, and spirit, the interrelationship between the three, knowing that uh, health was more than just physical phenomena, that people needed to learn about how to take care of their nutritional needs and their psycho-spiritual needs. So that's my history. I was was instrumental in starting two chiropractic colleges, one in uh, Atlanta called Life University, and also one in South Carolina called the Sherman College back in the day. So I, I had a long history and a long run in chiropractic and in holistic practice. I'm a, I was a pioneer, basically. I was doing it when the doctors would call me up and hang up on the phone. They wouldn't <laughs> talk to me when they found out I was a chiropractor. At the end of my career, they were all coming to me. So there's been a progression. Why is chiropractic controversial? Well, we're, we were always a threat to big pharma, basically, because we were teaching people about the root cause of illness, which has nothing to do with suppression symptoms through pharmacology. There's a time and place for drugs, which are, are, are life-saving at times, but they don't really address the root cause of why people get sick. We felt that we had an inside uh, answer to why people get sick. Structural interference between the brain and the body, nutritional deficiencies, and then stinking thinking, <laughs> incoherence between their thoughts and their feelings which set the stage up for tension in the body, which right. created dis So we were a threat from day one to uh, the pharmacological uh, uh, paradigm, which, which again is at the point of almost collapse because people are realizing that drugs modulate illness, but they don't correct anything. Right. Right, and chiropractic has only
0: grown since you started in the field, right?
1: Oh yeah. Well, to some degree, yes. I mean, there's about eighty thousand chiropractors in the world. We have fourteen colleges throughout the world, but we really haven't assumed the, the mantle of leadership in the health and wellness field. We're still we're still breaking ground in that area, teaching people how to stay well, not to wait to get sick and then get right. treated.
0: Right. Yes, prevention has never been a strong suit in our country in, in just about any field. We've covered that a few times on this podcast. We tend to wait for things to be wrong and then try to fix them as opposed to going upstream.
1: Well, basically, when you go to a doctor, he'll say, well, what's your symptoms? Why are you here? You know, what's hurting? Uh, the 80% of every dollar spent in medicine is on diagnostics. Right. 20% is spent on treatment. Now, the right. problem with diagnostics is it means two agnosis Two people don't know what's wrong with them, the doctor and the patient, because they're less than 50% accurate on postmortem. So people are being treated for things
0: they never had. Right. Okay. So the book I read of yours, Synchronicity, is not about this. It's about a different concept. My first exposure to Synchronicity was the Police album, which is an excellent album. But in this book, I learn more about it. But I'd like to have you tell our audience, how did you come to be aware of this? phenomenon?
1: And, and what is it? Well, synchronicity is, is defined as meaningful coincidence. It's when two things intersect in time and space, and there's some relationship to them, but you're not always aware of it in the moment. When you retrospect and you connect the dots, you say, oh, I met so-and-so to get a new job, or I met so-and-so to find a new place to live, etc., etc." It was originally uh, coined by Dr. Carl Jung who was a mm. psychiatrist, psychologist at the time of Sigmund Freud. Sure. And uh, he made relationships between so-called coincidences and meaning. So to have a true synchronicity, you have to have some a meaningful relationship between the events. Now, how did it happen to me? I kept yeah. having them. And more <laughs> and more, I, as I as I uh, walked in the world, amidst, I'm very friendly, I meet a lot of people, and I was starting to say, hey, this phenomena is universal, ubiquitous. It's not just happening to me. It's happening to everybody. So uh, it's a sign or a symbol of confirmation you're on the right path. I say it's a GPS. Synchronicity is your internal GPS letting you know uh, that you're being guided. So
0: I think you've just answered a question I had. Is every so every coincidence is not a synchronicity. Correct. It, right? And and how do you how do you define or how do you determine the
1: difference? The key is meaning. Is there meaning between the coincidence of A and B? If there's no meaningfulness to it, it's just a coincidence, which are rare. More often than not, synchronicities or let me put it this way All coincidences are not synchronicity, but all synchronicities are coincidences.
0: From the moment you hear Ken Harris speak, you can feel his sense of optimism. He's also someone who's not afraid to go against the grain from being a pioneer as a chiropractor to challenging a wide range of long-held and mainstream beliefs about Western medicine. I liked his expression, stinking thinking, and perhaps that could catch on as a synonym for pessimism or cynicism. And getting back to our conversation, I wanted Ken to talk some more about his book, and the concept of synchronicity. So, in your book, which I've had the pleasure of reading, but a lot of the folks listening have not, can you give some examples? Some of the first times where you said, "Wait a second, some, this is not just a random coincidence. Something's going on here."
1: Oh, I've had multiple <laughs> examples, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one that maybe write the book. I was on a, a place called Shelter Island, New York City, between the North and the South Fork and Long Island. And uh, Judy, my wife, said, let's go visit the family down at the East Hampton Beach and ride some waves." I said, yeah. okay. So I get on a ferry. And I got to get on a ferry to go to Sag Harbor. And then when I got into Sag Harbor, the road bifurcates. And I made a boo-boo, I thought, a mistake. Yes. And I took left instead of right. So I didn't wind up in East Hampton Beach. I wound up in Amagansett Beach, which is a couple of miles away. Mm-hmm. At which point I said to my wife, hey, Judy, it could take us two hours to go back. So we're <laughs> going to make the best of a wrong move here. It wasn't wrong, but I thought it was. You thought it was. And, and it was nine o'clock in the morning, two umbrellas, two chairs with professional beach goers. About a half hour later, this guy comes down on a cane and he's struggling and he sits down literally almost in my lap. <laughs> and I said to him, hey, sir, let me help you. I see you must have had your hip replaced. He says, well, how do you know? I said, well, I'm a doctor. I can see by the way you're walking. But he was not friendly. But he sat there mm. nonetheless. And I'm saying to myself, maybe I should ask him to move. It's a big I beach. on the beach. <laughs> but I realized he couldn't go any further. Later on, about a half hour, 40 minutes, he gets back up, juggling on the cane, and he puts on a New York Yankees hat. All right. Yeah, the voice of my soul says, hey, Kenny, make his day and tell him your Yankee Stadium story. Yeah. So been, the backstory is when I was 14 years old, I had the privilege of, of playing baseball in the Bronx. We won the championship. And I played a three in an exhibition game in Yankee Stadium before the New York City Athletics, uh, Kansas City Athletics, and the New York Yankees. I was on the field with my dream team, Mickey Minaj, sure. Yogi Berra, Moose sure. Cullen, you name it. I hit a whole run in Yankee Stadium at age 14. Oh they put the fence in 200 feet. I said to my, let me tell this guy the story and make his day. Because Yankee people like to hear the story. Boston people, I don't tell a story to. Anyway, and I, I finished the story, he puts his hand up and he goes, Stop. I, go, I said to myself, Maybe he's a Boston guy wearing Yankee hat. You don't like the story? <laughs> he says, uh, I know who you are. I says, You know me? I'm wearing a bathing suit. You got to understand. I'm wearing a bathing suit. I said, you know me? Where's my name tag? Yeah. He says, uh, I know that story. You're Kenny Harris. I says, how do you know me? He says, well, I'm Richie. I was on your team. I hadn't seen him in 54 years. Crazy. No, it is crazy. So then I said to Richie, why did you come to this beach today? He says, it's the strangest thing, Kenny. I was on my way to Montauk. All of a sudden, I'm driving by (laughs) Emmett and Atlantic (laughs) Avenue, and my car turns on its own. And I said, oh, let me go take a look, one last look at the beach. I used to rent the house there. I yeah. said, Richie, so did I. For many years, but I never ran into him until that day. I wound up helping him. He had problems with his back, etc. So there was right. a meaningfulness to us making the boo-boo mistake. He was on his way to Montauk. I was on my way to East Hampton. The universe had another design, it said me. And right. the coach was still alive, he was 90 years old. And we had a reunion. So there was meaningfulness behind the coincidence.
0: Got it. And and it seems as you as you tell that story again, like you said, you look back. So wrong turn on your part. He doesn't know why he's going to that beach. But then it still plays out. If he doesn't put on the Yankee hat, right, you, you don't even continue with the conversation. Oh, right. So there's like series of things. Yes. And then and you could have said, oh, I'm a Yankee fan too. And I'd have told the story. But you told the story. Yes. Yeah. So it's one thing after another, it seems.
1: It is, it's like a, a Swiss watch. You ever see those gears? Mm-hmm. Click, 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 click. So yep. well, you gotta stay aware, awake and alert. The signs and symbols are everywhere on our path. I was aware that he's wearing a Yankee hat. That's when I said, let me tell him a Yankee Stadium story. If he was yeah. wearing a Boston hat, I probably would have told him that story.
0: I hate to tell you, but I would have had a Red Sox hat on, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you would not have met, probably. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Okay, so so this happens to you. You had you had a few other examples like this, and then, if I understand it, then then you're more open to identifying and and acknowledging that these things are happening, right? You sort of open yourself to the phenomenon.
1: Is that a fair way to describe it? I would say absolutely correct. What, what I, my perception is, you're my friend. I just haven't met you till that minute, and there's always <laughs> a reason for us to engage because I believe you learn something from everybody. From the person who pumps your gas to the person who checks you out at the supermarket, pay attention. The universe is speaking through others to you. So we're all connected. That's my my paradigm. We're in a divine design, synchronistic uh, energy matrix. And I think you have the potential of meeting anyone, anywhere, starting to ask them two questions. Uh, Where are you from? In other words, where do you live? Right, that's number one. And what might you be doing here? You know, what do you do in the world? So here's right. my retort: no, you're gonna like this. So well, people ask me, hey doc, where are you from? And depending on their level of awareness, I say, same place you're from. And they look at me like, this guy's a little weird. And I say, no, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> they don't get it. I say, we're all from the same place. And, right. and then they'll say, inevitably, uh, what are you doing here? And I smile and I say, I'm just visiting. Aren't we all? Again, either they get it or they don't. But you meet a lot of conscious people who, who, who understand that when you say that to them. And so then you go deeper into the, into the questions and pay attention. There's connections with everyone. You only need two degrees, not six.
0: At this point in the conversation, I was still hanging in there with Ken even though I'd never be caught dead wearing a Yankees hat. And Ken really does seem to attract and facilitate these kinds of interactions. For example, here's how he met me. He was standing in a line at some sort of event in Connecticut and struck up a conversation with a woman standing near him. That woman was Kimberly, designer extraordinaire and proprietor of Crush Graphics, spelled with a K, Crush, and the person who does all the incredible graphic work you see for the Optimism Institute. She learns more about him in the conversation and says that the two of us should meet. Ken follows up and the rest is blue sky history. Two degrees of separation, as Ken says, and it's his interest in others, like striking up that conversation, that makes this whole thing happen. And now back to my conversation with Dr. Ken Harris. You reached out to me, I didn't know you, same kind of thing. And you just exude positivity. You got a big smile on your face. You're. It, what about this awareness that you have? I suppose you had this sort of personality before coming to this awareness, but it seems to fill you up that much more. What, what about it
1: makes you so happy and optimistic? Life is a gift. And we're only here for a nanosecond in eternity. Let's make the best of it. Let's love one another. Let's be kind to each other. Let's stop having wars. I mean, it's insane what's going on. We're witnessing, Bill, we are witnessing mass insanity right now in the world, unfortunately. People have forgotten who they are and why they're here. We're all here for the same reason. And my my paradigm is, it's the giving and receiving of love. That's the big idea. Everything else is Mickey Mouse. Well, right. so, three and a half years ago, I, I had a heart attack. I died. And I went back into my body, and I was told to go in the world and spread the good news. Life is temporary in the human form. But who I am and who you are was never born and will never die. So there's nothing to get upset about. Right. That's beautiful. So you, you
0: felt – tell me – Why you wrote the book. Writing a book is not an easy thing. It's a lot of work. It can be very solitary. So you felt strongly enough about this that you sat down and wrote a book
1: called Synchronicity. Why? I was told to. The spirit world said, hey, dum-dum, it's not about you. (laughs) Write this book to remind people that they're having this all the time and they're not walking on this planet by themselves. You have guides, angels, ancestors. You're being guided. We have internal GPSs and everything is based on frequency. We meet people based on vibratory fields, and you attract, it's the law of attraction, law of frequency, people that you need to have an exchange of information. Energy and information, is the, we're all about that.
0: So in the course of your day, I'm guessing you're the guy on an airplane. If I sit next to you on the airplane, you're, you're gonna engage.
1: Okay, so, so it's funny, now, now you remind me of another story, I'm on an airplane, and the guy sits down, I'm a friendly guy, I ask questions. Yeah. I'm interested in people. Right. I think people people are, are beautiful, they're, they're aspects of me. That's how I see it. Yeah. Well, so I tell this guy, you know, I, have a, I had a Lexus once, I see he told me he was a car dealer. Hmm. But I didn't ask him where, what, or what, how. I said, well, I had this car once, a Lexus, and it went in for service, and they were not able to fix the car, so they called me up and they said, Dr. Ken, don't worry. We're going to send the, uh, the serviceman to your house. We'll, we'll FedEx depart. We'll change the mirror. No inconvenience to you. I said, Oh, that's very nice. Two weeks later, I get a letter from Toyota Corporation with a $200 check apologizing that they didn't fix the car the first time. I said, Now, I said to this guy, You know where I'm buying my next car, don't you? At that right. dealership. He sure. says, yeah, I know, because I own the dealership. It was him. Wow. It was him. I was laughing. I said, you probably never heard anything like this. He says, no, it was my dealership that sent you the check. That's crazy. I know. I know. <laughs> it's all crazy. Or it's design. We were laughing. We are high-fiving. Of course, I bought three cars from him. Yeah, I right. Mean, that was a good move.
0: Right. But again, if you if you'd settled in next to this guy and just, you know, read the magazine.
1: Yeah, I I'm a friendly guy.
0: <laughs> yes. So so you put this book out there and I you have all kinds of blurbs on the jacket and other what kind of feedback did you get? Were there people out there who said, gee, I've always thought this, but you articulated it for me, or gee, I never thought about this and now I'm open to it. And it's it's really prove my life. What kind of feedback have you gotten from putting the book in the world?
1: Yes and yes. I get both. And I get letters. Sometimes people are crying in the letters. They're telling me that they finally got an affirmation by reading this book that it's happening to them, and they're not walking here by themselves. They, they, they woke up that, hey, I'm being helped. Hmm. And that's what synchronicity is. It's a it's a confirmation affirmation. We're all in this together. Right. It's If any remain bound, none of us are going to get free. We're on the same ship, we're on planet Earth, and we're spinning through space. So it behooves me to help you because I'm helping myself. That's my consciousness. Got it. So I get letters all the time from all over the world. And some of the stories, you say weird, crazy, ten times more convoluted than my own. Well, and I imagine as people are are listening
0: to us talk, they're they're thinking of some that have happened to them because I had that experience reading your
1: book. Yeah, that's what happens. You get reminded. The book is a great reminder, and it gives you the principles. You know, it tells you the seven types of synchronicities, the six reasons they happen, the five questions you ask yourself why, and then there's four practices to create more of them in your life. You can consciously create a synchronicity, although many of them are unconscious, dreams. Dreams are another precursor. They happen all the time to me. You dream of someone and they call you up really? or you meet them the next yeah. day. Well, and again, I, I keep
0: thinking of this sort of metaphor of opening yourself up. I interviewed a woman who's written a book about um, kindness and and uh, the power of a few kind words. And she says in her book, it's time to stop scrolling and start strolling. And her thing is, you know, get out and put put your phone in your pocket and look around and see these connections and see people. And likewise, a, a young man who wrote a book about homelessness it's the name of the book is When We Walk By. He talks about how often we just literally turn the other cheek and just keep walking. So it seems to me that that's a lot of what you're espousing here too, is just opening yourself up and, and as you stroll, looking around and taking it all
1: in. Yeah, I would say if you have a compassionate heart, you're gonna attract more synchronicities. And you can right. do it with a smile, with a gesture, Good morning. I mean, I walk the beach with my wife almost every day in Florida here. And I have one every day. I have a sick yeah. every single day.
0: And it's remarkable sometimes when you just say hello to someone, how sort of surprised they are and taken aback. And it doesn't really take a lot. Or just, you know, at a checkout counter, say, how's your day going?
1: I, I speak Spanish to most of the people in New Jersey are Latinos. And yeah. no one ever talks to them. So I, right. I, 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 I'm bilingual, so I speak them. They light up. It's like I'm I'm not invisible anymore. I'm a person, right? You know. Now you right. know why people walk by the derelicts and the and the bums in the street and not engage them. They're afraid they're going to catch it. It's going to happen to them. That's the fear, and they don't want to feel that. They don't want to. They don't want to even give themselves permission, uh, to, to have that right. kind of uh, emotional connection. Now, if you remember the movie with Don Voigt and uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yes, Midnight, midnight Cowboy. Cowboy. Yes. I, I'll never forget the scene. John Boyd comes from the country to the city, and he's outside of Tiffany's, and there's a bum on the street lying right in front of Tiffany's, and people are walking over him, around him, not yep. even acknowledging the person, and John Boyd takes his hat off, and he looks like this, like he can't believe what he's witnessing, yep. and so we we do that as a protection people people it rips your heart out to realize there's a human being in that body.
0: I love hearing Ken's enthusiasm when he says life is a gift. Now, dying and coming back is no doubt a great way to learn this, but we don't have to go through all that to try to remind ourselves on a regular basis that life is a gift and nothing is guaranteed. On the other hand, one of his practices I'm still not sure I'll adopt is the striking up a conversation on airplanes thing. I'm afraid I'm one of those people who likes to read or doze off, but I'm probably missing out on a lot by doing that, so I'll try to keep an open mind. Now getting back to Ken, I wanted him to talk about another book that he's worked on. Synchronicity isn't your only book. You have another on the way. No, it's um, out.
1: It's out. And it became, it's already out. It became a bestseller. It's called Second Chances from Surviving to Thriving. Tell us about true true it. True stories. This this came about just three and a half years ago when I was visiting my son in California, walking on the beach. I started not to feel well. Told my wife, get us back to the condo. I think my blood sugar has dropped. I go back, she makes me something to eat, and I start to break out. I know what women experience when they have what they call a hot flash? Every pore, my like. body opens. And then wow. I got nauseous to the point where I could have projectile vomited. And then a pain came unlike any other pain I've ever had in my life, between my chest and back. Like someone took a knife and stabbed me, and I yep. couldn't breathe. And I just looked at Judy thinking this was the last time I'd ever see her. And I wow. said, one. One, and I collapsed. Wow. The guys saved my life. They were down the block. They got to me in two minutes. Wow. I went through a whole series of synchronicities to save my life. My chapter in this book is called Extra Innings, A (laughs) Reprieve from Sudden Death, How synchronicity Saved My Life. Everything had a lineup. It wasn't my time to go. I even had an OBE, an out-of-body experience, where I was observing what they were doing to me. So when I came back in, I also got a download from Spirit saying, you need to write a book about coming back from things that most people don't come back from. So I found 22 other authors, all people I have helped in my life, and I called them up and everyone said, I'm in. And these stories run the gamut of the whole human condition. From loss of loved ones, to loss of mentation, to loss of physicality, to loss of property, and everybody came through the storm PTSD, with a phenomenon called post-traumatic growth. They Mm. all came with a takeaway, and we Mm. all decided at some conscious level not to remain victims of anything that happened to us. We all landed on our feet, and we reinvented ourselves. So the story is of hope and inspiration, telling people never give up, keep going. In the most unpredictable ways, help will show up in the last minute.
0: It's beautiful. I. Uh, it's interesting, Yet, out-of-body experience. I have, a, I have a good friend who, who died on an operating table and came back. And um, I remember talking to him shortly after. Not not the kind of person I would necessarily expect to say something like this, but he said, Bill, all I can tell you is you have nothing to worry about.
1: I'm not afraid of death anymore. That, it took any fear of death away from me. Any any residue, like, well, maybe this is all BS. Maybe, maybe life's a bitch and then you die and so on. No, no, no. Consciousness who we are is not inside our bodies it's not skin encapsulated we're right. the bodies inside of your consciousness it's the exact opposite
0: right yeah the uh rain wilson the guy who's in the office he has a book out now called soul boom and he's and i don't think this was original to him but i think he said we are not bodies with spirits we're spirits with bodies or Yeah. The famous, like that. the famous
1: quote is we're, we're we're spiritual beings having a temporary human experience not human beings having a spiritual. There you go. Thanks. So,
0: and that, and that's another one too. I, I've talked to other people who say that the that losing the fear of death does wonders for your life. Can you can you talk about that? You've obviously experienced it.
1: Yeah. It, well, the primal fear of the ego, my sense of self, my individuation of the one, is is the ego fears death. It, it knows from the time it takes its first breath. It's on death row till it takes its last day. But I, I am not my ego. I have an ego. But who I am is the witnessing presence to this ego. And the ego right. is right here. I still got an ego. I'm in a body. And yep. I say, oh, what's in it for you? That's the voice of the ego. And then I turn over here and I say to my soul, <laughs> how can I help? That's the voice of the soul. I listen to this one more often now. I don't say I never had this. What's in it for me? That still comes up, but I I don't stay there anymore. I realize that's temporary. This is the guy I want to get to know because I'm going to spend eternity with this one. And and how long ago was your? This was the heart attack, I assume. Yeah, January before years.
0: Four years. So were you? Well, you wrote synchronicity. This would have been right after your book came out, right? Yes, that's that's the that was the stressor that gave you the heart. <laughs> it attack.
1: was the book tour, got gotcha. you. Well, it definitely was not an easy thing. And I worked with a company and I had to get a fire under their tush to get the book out because they were a little slow and moving, but yes. I, I was intense. I knew I needed to get the message out. So was that, well, I'll, I'll take a leap here. Was
0: was that a synchronicity? So you, you, had, you were stressed out by the launch of this book, which made you flatline and led you to write another book.
1: Who knows? I would say that was a stepping stone. Let me tell you, it gave. It was a gift. I, I don't see my heart attack as happened to me. It happened for me. It, it brought me to a new level of consciousness. I mean, I have no fear of death. And
0: was there some of that before this happened? I mean, did you're not a totally different person? But was
1: the no, fear of no. death a thing for you before? I were. I, you know, I was a follower of Ramdas. Do you know who Ramdas was? And I had the privilege of meeting him in, in, in his life when he was still alive. And he always talked about death. And so he says, it's the primal fear. Most of our, what we do in life is because we think we have limited time. You know, in in, 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 uh, in the ego death uh, formula, there's limited time. You've got to get as much as you can as soon as you can. Who gets the most toys wins. Right. It's not true. It's not true. But were
0: you, did you, did you have that feeling before your, your heart attack?
1: No, no. I've, I've always been about service. I've, I've always wanted to make the world better than when I found it. I wanted to leave a legacy of love and inspiration. I had great mentors and teachers in my life, and that was my that, that was my motorcycle remedy from day one. I used to wear a shirt. It said, chiropractic today for a better world tomorrow. So I had a family practice. I had hundreds of children in my practice because I wanted to give them a better chance.
0: Were you that way as a child growing up in New Jersey? Were you always this? No, no.
1: No, no. This is the polished (laughs) 10 that you're seeing. All right? I grew up in the South Bronx. Oh, okay. I grew up in the hood. Yep. We were church-mouthed poor. I had wonderful parents, but we we grew up in tenements. Five of us lived in two rooms. My dad was a cab driver. Okay. I got involved early on with some gangs and drugs so I, I did it all. So you're seeing the polished virgin. I'm, I'm now 77. But, you know, for the first 20 years, I, I was a pretty tough kid. So what turned it around? Well, one of the things was meeting my beautiful wife. i married 54 years Congratulations. to an who was given to me by spirit. And I recognized it when she showed up. I kissed her once, and I almost collapsed on the floor. And I had a lot of girlfriends, but nothing like that. And, and here's the backstory: in high school, I went out with a girl whose father was a chiropractor. And I was I was merciless. I was ridiculing her. Father's a crack. They don't do anything. I was a science guy. Right. And I, was, I thought I could figure it all out. I got a hundred on my geometry and biology regions. There so these go. chiropractors were quackos. She <laughs> broke up with me. So the universe the universe sent me a new girlfriend in college. It was my wife, Judy. And I said to her, what does your daddy do? And I kissed her. She says, oh, he's a chiropractor. Oh God. I shut my mouth. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say a word. You're not gonna make that mistake again. Oh no, see the universe gave me two chances, right? <laughs> right? And then one day I was in the middle of a full blown allergy situation. And her father said, let me give you an adjustment. And I looked at him, I said, well, what's that gonna do? I not more my neck or back, thinking that's what chiropractic was. He said, well, I'll show you. So he gives me a cervical uh, adjustment, and my whole uh, allergic pattern cessated immediately. No drugs. I said, whoa. Anyway, one thing led to another, and I wound up becoming not what you knock. Careful what you knock. That's incredible. That was a synchronicity for sure. Why would the universe say, hey, dum-dum, you're going to get a second chance now? Yes. So I did. I got, listen, we've all had second chances, Bill. You've had them. I've had, we've all had near misses. That could be my next book. Tell us about your near miss.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Everybody's got a
1: story. Absolutely. Well, and,
0: and we're, we're having this conversation and you mentioned before the state of the world. And I, I'm conscious of the fact that as I talk about optimism, there are a lot of people really distressed and concerned and there's scary stories in the news. What, what message would you have for listeners right now who get out of bed in the morning and think, oh, what is what is going on with the world? We are headed to a bad place. What's what's the mindset that you would recommend?
1: First message, don't watch the news. Yes. That would be my first advice to people. Don't listen to the, the spells being cast by the mass media. A lot of it's not true anyway. Right. So I would say I go on a news fast. Right. All right. So here's another thing. Why should you be an optimistic? Studies say optimistic people live longer than pessimistic people. Exactly. That's been documented. So if you want to live a few more years, I would say choose optimism. You know, so here's what people say. that is the glass half full or half empty, Ken? I say it's all full. Half liquid, half air. Exactly. That's, that's how I perceive the world. Exactly. And or even,
0: you know, you say avoid the news or just, you know, not to sound like an old fart, but it's like in the old days, you'd read the morning paper. That's it. You'd go to work, you wouldn't get alerts all day. You might watch the evening news, maybe Walter Cronkite. And then you'd read the paper again in the morning. Now we have people getting alerts the minute something awful, it's never good news. This happened, that person died, This uh,
1: Trump did this and that, da, 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 and it's just overwhelming. I would say avoid avoid mass media as much as you can. If you want to start your day off on the right uh, foot, meditate. Thought listening, you're going to get information. You know, people say I pray anymore. And I say that's good. That's to the source. But when you listen, you hear from the source, and you'll get your you'll get your marching orders for the day. So I'm a big uh, promoter of meditation and doing it most of my life, and that's where I get my information from. I go direct. That's what DC means, by the way, Doctor of Chiropractic, Doctor correct.
0: <laughs> So you've been meditating before it was cool. It's definitely more mainstream now. You've been doing it for years.
1: I've been doing a lot of things for years. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, and so second chances, and you tell me again, these are all people with whom you had interacted that you recruited to contribute chapters to the book?
1: Yeah, they're all people in some way I met either through synchronicity or through some professional organization. And I knew they had a story and they all said, yes, they all contributed to be in the book. It was a collective. It was an anthology. And the stories are just mind blowing. I mean, they're just hope and inspiration. Don't give up, folks. Help will come in the most uncanniest, unlikeliest of ways. But you got to stay open. You got to be optimistic. Let me put it that way
0: well I, I can't think of a better way to to wrap up our conversation It my, my mistake I haven't read second chances yet so I'm gonna have a second chance now to get out and get that book and uh, and check it out because I think your message is is it's a it's an unusual one you have a you have a very different approach than a lot of people would take and I can just feel it in your the few times we've spoken. you're just brimming with hope and optimism and it's infectious and so I'd love to help spread the word of, of your great work and i'm gonna I'm gonna order go down to my bookstore and get second chances and uh, look forward to reading that as well.
1: Bill, it's contagious, it really is. Optimism is a contagion, a good one. A good one. Yeah, and remember this, a candle loses nothing of its own light by lighting another candle. There's more light in the world. And it, and Bill, in the end, it's all of us and none of us. If any remain bound, we're all gonna, the ship's going down, doesn't matter where you are socioeconomically. I mean, we all breathe the same air, the same water, and Mother Earth is going to get our attention big time if we keep abusing her. Yep.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Ken Harris. It's been a pleasure having you on the Blue Sky Podcast.
1: I'm happy if we finally worked out the technical <laughs> difficulties. They tried <laughs> to prevent it from happening, the powers that be. We persevered. We got through. We had second chances. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Take care.
0: As someone who has written a book, I can see how working on one might have given Ken a heart attack. But that affliction only made him more upbeat and appreciative of life. And his spirit is contagious. I also appreciate his advice about the news. Many of us have become pretty ravenous consumers of information. A lot of it is helpful, for sure. But I'm guessing for most of us, the majority of it isn't, and doesn't contribute at all to our well being or positive outlook. After wrapping up my conversation with Ken, I concluded that whether you agree with all of his conclusions about how or why coincidences or synchronicities happen, how we're all connected, or any of this, from listening to him and reading his books, you take away some really valuable lessons and are inspired by his optimism, zest for life, and affection for others. hope you enjoyed this blue sky conversation and that you'll consider leaving us a rating or a view. And if you haven't already subscribed to the show, it's free and easy to do, and you'll be sure not to miss any of our upcoming episodes and check out the Optimism Institute on social media for more uplifting content and information on upcoming episodes. Until next time, I'm the founder of the Optimism Institute and host of Blue Sky, Bill Burke. And I thank you for listening.